Hello friends, in this episode I talk to Emma Story Gordon, a fitness professional, coach, educator and mentor who has built a huge online following under her brand ESG Fitness. She shares her experience, expertise, knowledge and wisdom on how you can scale your own online fitness business. I hope you enjoy it. Drop me a message at Tom right now and I'd love to hear your feedback. We're recording so we can just start now. Cool. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi, Emma. And congratulations for topping out the UK health and fitness podcast charts. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I think it changes all the time. So I was like, screenshot, like, cool, but done it now. It's very similar to the Amazon bestseller book list, isn't it? If yeah. you're the top selling book for 10 minutes on a Sunday afternoon, you're top of the list. Not to take anything away from your achievement. It's amazing. I didn't mean to belittle it there. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I don't feel that you did at all. I just think, like, I really like the saying being popular on social media is like having a lot of money in Monopoly you know that kind of thing it's like oh yeah all these things I mean I'm sure I get emails all the time I did because I've obviously never replied but I don't know how this works but it's like we'll get you in Forbes so you can be in like Forbes top 10 entrepreneurs you just need to pay us x amount of money and yeah I just think so many of these things like it's a nice achievement and like I mean it was just a nice way to show that the podcast is doing well but I'm I'm more interested in who's listening and who it's impacting rather than it being top of the charts or whatever. Amazing. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. You have, over the last few years, built and scaled multiple businesses. Um, I'm right in saying that they're all online? Yes. Yeah. And from, uh, you know, as your friend, as, as an outsider, I kind of watched you build this and you know this. I'm fascinated by the way that you build this because I know your personality and I know how you work. So seeing the little things you put out on social media or podcasts or um, whichever way you're doing it, I start to notice which ones do well. And then I see the ones that you start to repeat because obviously they do well for you. And I would love to learn more about how you go about building this audience and, and deciding which you know, which levers to pull. So effectively, I want to look at how you build your businesses, but then also how you gain and leverage the attention that we try and build online. Yeah, I think, honestly, a lot of it's been completely organic, but organic in numerous ways. So not only is it like not ad spend or anything, but also just I genuinely talk about what I'm interested in. And I will like note that certain people have resonated with something or haven't with other things. And like if I'm talking about something that I find really interesting, like I did a big podcast on the physiology of endurance exercise. Nobody mentions it ever. <laughs> like it's I've never heard anyone talk about it. Right. So I kind of know that like that's something I really find fascinating, but it's not something that massively resonates with my audience. Whereas loads of people talk about a podcast I did about impatience because that resonated more with them and that was more helpful to them. So I guess like the, I, I think honestly the biggest thing in the last couple of years and the reason I know I'm doing this well is because I get numerous people saying it's like you read my mind and they're like how do you do that and honestly the secret is listen to your clients like actually listen to them work with enough people and then listen to what they're saying and give them what they want from what they're saying if you get the same questions again and again 
And I used to get really annoyed at getting the same questions again and again. I'd be like, I've already explained this. Like, how on earth, like, I, do I just need to explain it again? And part of it's just people are looking for reassurance, especially when things are like getting over mental barriers. It's not going to, it's not the information that gets them over the mental barrier. That's only like the first step. It's then compounding that information and reassuring them again and again. So I think when you're looking at you know what's working or or even like knowing what content to create for your to advertise your business like look at what your clients want that's your main source of where you should be getting that information what do your clients want instead of guessing and then trying to sell them what you think that they want yes i i talk about this a lot you you need to focus on the people before the product like market research comes before design and development for a reason because you need to solve a problem or take away a pain or create entertainment or value for people that want it rather than oh I've created this service now I'm looking for the right type of person to buy it it's putting the cart before the horse yeah I think a lot of personal trainers do that they're like I would find this interesting or I want this so I create this and then they end up not selling it because nobody else wants that or no one else is struggling with that problem that they're solving. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the different companies that you actually run. So do you want to start with um, the first company that you set up that you're currently running? Okay, so probably the, well, definitely the first one was ESG Fitness, which I guess started as just face-to-face personal training, which then moved online. That was predominantly always one-to-one coaching. And then on top of that, I now have a group coaching program. So that's the group coaching element. That's called Commit to Six. And I also have um, two coaches that work with me both on Commit to Six and on ESG Fitness. So they take on one-to-one clients for ESG Fitness and they help me with the group coaching for Commit to Six. And then I have group coaching that I do with Chloe, which is called the EC Method, which is like a bigger scale group coaching program. And... I also have EIQ Nutrition, which is a nutrition course, which I run with Amelia, which is the education side, um, nutrition education side. And then I've just started a business called AFM, called AFM, full stop, or Applied Fitness Mentoring. And that's all about helping other personal trainers build their businesses. So I think the key thing here is that you, first of all, built your skills and experience by coaching people one-to-one I guess that you know face-to-face counts for a lot but even if you were just to set up an online coaching business the first thing you did was just coach people one-to-one making sure that you can help that individual person with their needs their problems any issues that come up and provide that accountability and support for them right and then that leads on to right now I've done this for a hundred people a hundred different people what are the most common questions, problems, hurdles, barriers that people come up against? Is that how you then went to do the group coaching model because you'd seen what comes up most frequently and then how to effectively scale that up? Yes, but I also think that sometimes group coaching is just seen as a watered down one-to-one service and I don't think that's true at all now I do think that there are certain individuals who are better suited to -to one-to-one coaching and maybe need some more like specialist help and there are some people who would do better in a group 
but I think that there is a real magic to group coaching in that you can't really put a price on like they think that they're just getting maybe slightly less of your attention and maybe like they're all doing the same training program so it's slightly less individualized but the community aspect I can't emphasize how important that is and I think until you've done it you don't realize either and I think that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is the community within the group coaching like how they support each other the kind of the group norms of it the positivity of it and surrounding yourself with people that are doing like working towards similar goals and that all want the best for you is like just a recipe for success in my opinion so I think that yeah that they're they're different and but I do think that like if you were a personal trainer starting out you should start one-to-one because if you can't manage you know individuals then it's going to be very hard to manage a group so it is a harder thing to manage for sure so when you've got groups of you know tens 20s hundreds of people how do you manage so many clients once it gets to that sort of size do you feel as the community sort of self-serving do they start to help each other out and is that a big part of it to an extent it's self-serving we also have like certain systems in place to supply some accountability um you still get check-ins via different methods and then there's also the podcast which I think is a huge part of it so we do Q&A podcasts for the EC method we turn up three times a week live so we're doing a full hour if not a little bit more of just answering client questions so anything you want answered will be answered the Facebook group is massive as well we're we're really active in there and then you have your own like accountability check-ins as well which effectively you're answering your own questions Kind of like, oh, you know, how was your nutrition today out of 10? It was a two, right? Why was it a two? Uh, I didn't plan ahead. What are you going to do tomorrow? Plan ahead, right? It is simple, but like, I mean, you've been a personal trainer long enough. That's what you would tell a client anyway. So you're you're like, it's giving people autonomy as well to be like, okay, you actually just need to sort of sit down and answer these questions. And giving the structure of those questions is really useful because it gives them a flow and then like right I know what to do realistically you already knew what to do but now you've reiterated it to yourself I actually sometimes think that's more beneficial than me telling someone to do that and how important have you found these systems to be in growing these businesses to this size um yeah I think pretty important I I do think that people can get too bogged down in the systems like having some form of accountability very important how you do it much less important like you don't need the best app you don't need to go and create your own app like you're not a tech guru like it could be anything and all these you can do it for free like it could be a type form that people fill in it could be a google sheets document that people fill in or like an email that you're sending out that has some questions on like you don't need to make it really really fancy that people aren't coming to you because you've got a great app they're coming to you because you're a great coach so that's what you need to be working on rather than getting too bogged down in the systems behind things. I do think, I mean, that you'll see the same with branding. Like, I need to get the perfect website together before I do anything else. Like, oh, what's holding you back? Oh, right. Well, actually, I've, I've not got the perfect logo yet. You don't need perfect. Like, you need to start and then you adapt from there. Like, you, how much did you change your, I don't know if you've spoken about this, but your, um, backpack design didn't you just keep going back and changing it 
and then adapting it a little bit and like refining it and you get feedback on it and you see which bits are working and which bits aren't working like my business has changed so much from the start there were things I used to do on commit to six that I thought would be really really beneficial and it turns out no one was interested in them so I just took them out and stopped doing them and there are things that I will add in and then you just get feedback like the best part of working with so many people is they will give you feedback as well and then you can change things as and when you need to yes the the biggest lesson I've learned in the last couple of years is just to start and and on the flip side of that is ship your work like just send it get it to a point where you're reasonably happy with it and then post it send it publish it whatever it is because you'll never have it perfect and you'll always be chasing that perfect and it effectively will never then come so the thing that you you're trying to make it perfect but you can't make it perfect without feedback so you have to almost send it out half-baked and then let your customers audience whoever it is help you to to polish it to to round out the edges but people actually enjoy being a part of that process as well yeah and and I think it's really humbling to know that like if I was a client going to a coach and they were asking for feedback and actually actioning that feedback that's really important to me as well um but I think a really good point about perfectionism and how that just ends up turning into procrastination and you just be like oh you know well I think I could still work on this blog a little bit more do you know what's great about things like blogs and websites and things like you can just change them you know when you've got more time you don't need to wait until they're perfect to release them so yeah I think there's a lot to be said for just finding what like the first step is instead of getting so carried away with your goals that you end up not taking any action in the first place yeah there's uh, a guy I follow on Twitter whose big thing is just try and make one dollar on the internet today. It's like stop thinking about making ten ten grand a month. Just try and make one dollar today and start off. Just take that first step, and if you can do that, make two dollars the next day. And it's it's obviously just that little domino effect of just get started, set your sights, you know, right in front. What do the thing that's right in front of you? Start there, and then it'll start to build. And I think we all get kind of paralyzed by the size of what potentially it could be and then it's like you say just imperfect action just take some action now that will get you closer to your goal if you wait till it's perfect it'll never come yeah yeah I think that's a really good point and there's so many for some reason that like ten thousand pounds a month is like a huge thing in personal training at the moment and all the online coaches want to make it it's like how would I possibly do that now you know I've got two clients right okay the first step like the next step to ten thousand pounds is signing up your next client that's what you need to focus on today don't worry about you know and I would say on a more broader scheme like stop worrying about the money at all and just focus on helping people and it will come and that's what we should be focusing on anyway so I'm interested to hear because you're now doing mentoring as well why do a lot of businesses I don't want to say fail but why do people give up on businesses in your opinion what's the what are the common factors or mistakes or limiting self-beliefs that you see come up that stop people from succeeding I think that is a huge one limiting self-belief but I also think there's so many parallels between fat loss and building an online fitness business for example like I use these two because it's the same coaches who will be like to their clients, you need to be patient. The scales will fluctuate. 
who are like, I've posted twice on social media. Why don't I have this? You know, like, why don't I have a following yet? Nothing I do works. I'm like, consistency, like consistently showing up. Same as what you tell your clients to do for fat loss, like consistently do the basics and make sure you're engaging with people. Like, I guess that's more. But it's the sort of same principles. A lot of it's impatience. And then they give up because they're impatient. And again, like what we just spoke about, not taking action and waiting till it's perfect. I've spoken to so many people that are like, oh, I just don't know if like I'm, I think I'm going to work with a marketer to get my branding all sorted first. And I'm like, no, you don't even have a brand yet. You like you don't know what your brand should be yet because you've not worked with anyone. Like we were just talking about niches and things like you can't possibly have like a brand and a clear identity of like your direction and your niche before you even know what you stand for and who you want to help. Like you're jumping too far ahead. And then like, I just like can't emphasize enough. Like no one is coming to work with you for your website or your brand or your like color scheme. Like to an extent, it doesn't matter. Well, that's the big thing with branding is that people mistake brand We're always just like, that's like the last thing you should have. You should launch a business with no logo. You should launch a business with your face. Because they're coming to work with you as a person. So the best logo is actually you smiling because you look friendly and approachable. And and it gives them trust that they're working with somebody who's accountable as well. Somebody that's not going to just run off with their money because they had a, it was a fancy logo and they were hiding behind it. Yeah, I actually think this is one of the common mistakes people are making like on Instagram at the moment. In fact, one of my clients is doing this at the moment and I can't figure out a way to tell her because she's just spent a fortune getting all this branding done but she's changed her Instagram to her logo instead of her face now she's a personal trainer right she's not a huge business it'd be it's a bit different when it's Gymshark and also they're not selling a one-to-one service are they but then how prevalent our owners on social media and YouTube he's still very much the face of our business so even with the logo you know people people know who he is yeah which I think is important but I mean much less important than with personal training when you know she's working with someone so you do want that friendly approachable face because then you're a person you're not just this logo uh yeah I think that's important especially from the whole perspective of like no like and trust but I do see that and I noticed it more just because, like, I don't know, someone will fire into my DMs and be like, oh, I really, maybe it's another personal trainer. And I, oh, I really enjoyed the podcast. Oh, thanks. See, if it's, like, someone's logo, I feel so much less connected to them. Or even if I don't know their name, and, I like, I know that people don't know, a lot of people don't know my name because <laughs> it's just ESG. But, I mean, that's probably a mistake I made ages ago. But when I'm when I see it's just like AFT personal trainer or something and it's a logo I'm like I don't feel connected you know thank you but I don't feel connected to you at all where if it's like Lauren trainer I don't know and it's like a nice smiley picture I'm like oh thanks Lauren I don't know there's just like something slightly different and that's such a small difference but I think it's quite important actually when you're working on the no like and trust aspect that's something that I've noticed I did some uh, freelance work for a sports nutrition brand and to build that brand I was messaging PTs to say you know would you like to work with us the amount of personal trainers that I could not find their first name on their Instagram or website blew my mind it's like I cannot find anything for me to go 
hey tom hey emma yeah. i just had to be like hi so then it became a very cold calling message and i thought this is why clients aren't paying you money They're, this is why they aren't contacting you because you're putting a barrier up and that barrier is because you've said jacked muscle 3d trainer yeah no one's gonna be like hey shred with esg <laughs> would you like to join i don't know yeah i get what you mean i think so i changed someone mentioned that about me once they were like i've been looking for ages but i don't know what your name is and i was like oh yeah but you actually have it in your bio it says hi yeah I'm I d- Emma. well that was after this incident and how, to be how, fair, a lot of people just call me esg so i guess it's less important but more friendly um, i mean anyone pre-uni will call me emma you would obviously call me stosler <laughs> But that's even a nickname that I didn't give you that nickname. You no, told me about that nickname and then I I just nicked it. And then I think anyone from like fitness industry would probably know me as ESG as opposed to Emma. Yeah. But how big of uh, a part do you think personality plays in creating your niche? Um, I don't think you create your niche. I think it more finds you if you do it right so like if you put out enough of your personality and enough of who you really are and your values and I don't mean like outright saying like these are my three core values if you have the same values we should work together like your actions and what you talk about and how you talk about things and what you think is interesting they will all show what your values are and then people will align with those if they do or if they don't and if you can attract clients that are quite similar to you you will have a much more enjoyable experience working with them as well because not only do you kind of again like you're on the same wavelength because you kind of know more what they're thinking already but also you probably have similar humor you probably get on with them better you'll probably enjoy working with them more so I would say that it is important to put out a lot of yourself on social media and what are your views on passion because a lot of people are, you know, looking for the thing that they're most passionate about or trying to find their passion. And people say you should follow your passions. Do you think that it's something that you should be looking for and following? Or do you think it's something that just kind of comes to you with work you enjoy? That's a really good question. I think sometimes the problem, it's fine to say follow your passion if you know what your passion is, right? And we've both struggled with this in terms of like trying different careers and being like this, you know, I thought I wanted to do this, but I didn't want to do this or this isn't quite what I do want to do. And then just finding your way a little bit. And I remember getting advice like, you know, just do what makes you happy. And I was like, I have no idea what makes me like, that's the problem. Like if I knew exactly what I wanted to do, then that wouldn't be an issue. But it's finding out what that is. And I see the same sort of problems with when people are like just follow your passion like it's quite hard when you don't yet know what that is so I think actually trying a hell of a lot of different things that is probably what's going to lead you like I didn't know what my passion was when I started this what I do now wasn't even a job when I started doing things like I think you can more create your passion for sure and if you have a passion and you know what that is then by all means like if you can follow that follow that but I think it's actually more common for people to not know what their passion is. And then as they sort of go through life, they find what that is. I completely agree. I was a, you know, searching for my passion type of person. 
I knew that there was something I, I, I wanted to put my energy into, but didn't know what it was. And the way that I found that now in the work that I do is by trying a bunch of different things and let's call it failing. Like I, I tried things and then gave up on them for multiple reasons, but effectively didn't find the thing that made me feel like positive and engaged with work until now. But a lot of that was trying different things and then just picking something that I quite liked. It's like this, you know, marketing branding thing's quite cool. And if I just try and do it in within a fitness environment, that'll probably keep me more engaged. It's something I know about. And then I start to develop that, start to get good at it, start to earn some money in it. And then of course that then becomes much more enjoyable. And that's kind of how I created my passion. And I think I've watched you obviously be an athlete um study sports science at uni then go into literally working in a lab like you are a proper scientist (laughs) then go into one-to-one pt and then kind of find your way through by you know doing all these different things and finding these touch points and i think that helps to sort of shape you into the person that you become and then that becomes much more enjoyable but a lot of people are too scared to try Yeah, and I think there's this completely wrong notion that, for example, if I decided I know this is exactly what I want to do, and I'd known it since I left school at 18, like, that would have been better. Like, we get, you know, personal training, a lot of people come into personal training at, like, 40, 50 even, like, older, like, age is no sort of barrier to it, but they often feel like, if I'd done this when I was 20, I'd be so much better. And I don't think that's the case at all. Like, I think life experience, all your skills are transferable. I am a better personal trainer now because I worked in a lab. Like, it's not directly transferable. I'm not pipetting shit now. But, like, it, it, there is a lot of things that I learned then that, like, have shaped me to make me better at what I do now. So, yeah, I think specialising too soon is actually a negative I think trying a lot of things and failing is is a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I noticed about you and is exactly the same with me is the change in mindset over the last decade since we've known each other. But I think in the last last few years, I've noticed you become like infinitely more confident, more comfortable probably with yourself and how you put yourself out into the world. And I think it'd be interesting to find out how you kind of built this mindset of being much more positive, more content. Um, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is the person that I've seen you grow into. And I'd love to find out more about how you created this mindset. I think a lot of it, especially over the last couple of years, is actually just questioning my own thoughts now instead of letting my thoughts or feelings just like dictate my actions and just be like, well, that's how I feel so like that's what it should be and 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 actually that realization that you're probably really bad at making decisions like we're all really bad at making logical and rational decisions and I always thought I'm a scientist I'm really logical and rational like that's not true for me like everyone else probably thinks that but I don't but when you start questioning your own thought processes and like one of my favorite things to do, which makes me sound like such a geek, but is just to look up um, cognitive biases. 
I just find it so interesting. But when you start reading them and you're like, oh my God, yeah, I fall for sunk cost all the time. I fall for the um, history. I think I was looking up yesterday, the history illusion. Basically, the... the so it's, it's like the assumption that... And actually, this is kind of what we're talking about now. We're like, yeah, I mean, five years ago, we didn't know that much. But now, now I'm sort of like, and now I know things. And basically, it's the notion that you've you think that you've grown loads over the last sort of five, ten years, but you don't think that you'll grow or change your mind very much for the next five or ten years. You're like, now, now I'm kind of sorted. Like, I don't think I'll change much anymore because I'm a I'm a really like grounded person now and I've done a lot of work, but I don't need to do much more. Whereas actually in five okay. years we'll be like, oh my God, like I had so much more to do. I had so much more to realise. But I think that that comes up quite a lot. And, okay. and it's kind of the way that we're talking at the moment isn't it we're like yeah so now you've got to this point and now that you're much more content and now that you've like grown as a person and you feel more you can put yourself out there more and be yourself like as if we've done all that growing but we have no no more to do do you have a life mission or a mission statement I have a few like I guess values that are important to me like impact is important to me that's why I think I like working with you know big group coaching because I feel I can impact more people than just working with one client in in, like a closer I guess that's why I do group coaching as opposed to like high ticket coaching or or something along those lines um and then I really and I think this has been more so the last couple of years probably in, in all honesty because I felt more confident myself but I really want to empower other people. And I know that a lot of people say that it's quite wishy-washy, but I want to give other people like their confidence and their platform. And I'm more than happy now. Whereas previously I maybe would have been like, oh, do I want to share so-and-so's work? What if they steal my clients? What if people think that they're better than me? And now I just don't think that anymore at all. And I'm like, I love seeing other people do well, but I think it takes time to get there for some people. And I mean, and I'll put my hands up like that was me as well, for sure. And me. Yep. It's it comes with maturity. I think it's the wisdom in realizing that it's not a zero sum game and that we can all succeed and help each other and everyone can prosper. I think we when you're younger, it's me versus you. And I'm probably going to think that I'm not as good as you. So then maybe I won't even try. Yeah. And you get in your own way. Um. You are probably one of the busiest people that I know and definitely the most hardworking. And I really want to know your, like, what does a week look like for you? Or what does a day look like for you? Do you know what? I don't feel that busy. So I've actually been really good at outsourcing some things. So I have a virtual assistant now. I've obviously got Andy and Shona, my coaches. And then I split the work with uh, Chloe and Amelia for... EIQ and the EC method and I outsource other things like I have a cleaner now which sounds really silly I think like a lot of the time like oh you've got a cleaner but what I don't know I think working with Emil has really helped that he's very cutthroat he's like figure out your hourly rate anything you don't like doing that can be done for less than that outsource it why are you doing it taking up your mental space taking up your energy and People will notice, like I went back and looked at my podcast stats, for example. I started doing more solo podcasts because I'd outsourced other things. It gave me more time. My stats are like, it's like exponential growth graph. 
like picture that in your head that's what it looks like because I've spent more time on it so it's given me more and it's not really time I think so much as like brain energy of you know I've outsourced most of the check-ins because Andy and Shona do most of them now like I think a huge part of it is just mental energy as opposed to sheer time but yeah I try and structure things like I will normally be doing at least one or two lives or podcasts a day I'll try and do some content at some point I'll still have client check-ins to do I'm just looking at my board to see what I've got so you have this all you have your week written out on your board I have a big whiteboard and I also have this tiny whiteboard which was only a pound from Poundland there's your tip for anyone who wants a little whiteboard get yourself one and I thought I what you know when you buy something and you're like I'm either going to use this every single day or not at all. And I've used it every single day. It's so satisfying just to like wipe off what you've done. And then I get really upset if I do something and it's not on the whiteboard then I can't wipe it off. But yeah, I, I tend, I like to sort of like, I like to have a day list here. I noticed that your podcasts, as you said, you've, you've seen this exponential growth. I don't think anyone quite realizes the frequency that you're putting these out because it's almost a daily thing on the the ESG fitness podcast that must have seen a huge growth for your your engaged clients and following and the amount of people in your businesses right yeah I I like to do about three a week but actually all of this at the moment and I'm sure it'll get to the point where it's not is totally natural I don't know why but I just have a lot to say at the moment (laughs) like I don't force it at all so that's Uh, my next question is do you plan your episodes advance a list written out of topics you want to go through or is it just something like you'll get a message from a client or a dm and you'll go oh actually that's what I'll talk about today I won't even plan that I'm going to do a podcast today it'll be like I'll I'll just have like my notes section in my phone if if a question keeps coming up or if I think I want to cover that or if I've read something that I find interesting and has helped me then I'll be like right I'm gonna do a podcast on that I'll write some notes and then I'll just record it and there's like a couple that didn't make the cut which I guess if I wanted to get one out or something then I could always go back and do those but so far I tend to have more to say than like is that I should be recording podcast numbers <laughs> and then and if you, you add on top like we have to do q a's for clients as well so it does end up being quite a lot of week and you've always been someone who reads in the morning whether that be a you know a study or an article is that something that you're still doing today yeah yeah i, I do a lot more writing now as well so I used to kind of just read and I'd maybe write some notes and I'd then I'd maybe do an Instagram post about it or a Facebook post or something but now I do quite a lot more writing and I think at some point I will do some blogging because I have a lot of writing there I just don't know where to put it and I think it just helps me get my thoughts down like I I think there's nothing better than writing it that you have to make sense of them to write them down and then as you write I think you have more ideas as you're writing them so that's what I tend to do in the morning now is like a, maybe a little bit of reading but mostly writing well I was going to ask if the reading helps with your content but I think that's probably shifted now into the writing is is where you're developing this content from do you journal as well or is it just kind of information that will be valuable to other people because that's how I make sense of my thoughts. Most days I'll write a few sentences just on how I'm feeling or 
something I'm thinking because as soon as I write it on paper, I go, hang on, that's not true. You're you're holding yourself back. And that's how I work through a lot of stuff. Do you have yeah, the same process? Yeah, I think that's so useful. Um, and I'll be totally honest, I should do that, but I don't do that very much. And sometimes I do feel like the podcast is a bit of my journal. Yeah, I mean, a solo it's not, podcast it's not is a brain dump. personal, but yeah I think just sort of talking through these things and then you're like oh I do that as well and oh I shouldn't do that and so where do where should people start if they want to create their own online community or online business what's the first thing they should focus on I think identifying what you want to do and why you want to do that because sometimes it is blown up as this like oh you can live on you know you can go to Thailand and just work on the beach with your laptop and like why are you doing it and and what are your reasons behind it would be my first sort of question and then potentially sort of work back from there like what are the and then values gets thrown around a little bit as well and I think that to some extent that's kind of like passion like you might not exactly know your values but like we were saying before like identify what you think your values are because they will change anyway throughout your life and then kind of build like build your business around that to an extent like what I think I've kind of managed to do with my career is curate like a job where I get to do all my favorite things which is amazing um like we spoke about how you now I did the sports science thing I worked in a lab like that side does still interest me and that's EIQ like I have to stay on top of the research for that so that kind of the the geeky side is like ticked off doing that and then I love coaching and working with people I still get to coach like I don't know I think a first step would be identifying why you want to do it like what's your actual why what are your goals and sometimes going from your goals like oh my goal is to have financial freedom and work from Bali cool but why like what is it you hope to find there or do you just see it as like a bit of a pipe dream like is it freedom you're looking for or do you think that just looks cool like and and it might be that that is the goal that you want but it's just interesting to know why that is the goal that you want great and then once they've figured this out how do they go about building their audience or community I'm assuming through social media do you have any tips for anyone that wants to do that don't let that hold you back would be my first tip. Don't think that, all right, well, I have to get to 5,000, 10,000 followers before I can have a successful business. You actually only need like, I mean, if you had 500 followers and 50 of them want to sign up with you, you've got more than enough clients. It's more about your engagement and your interaction with them. And I mean, examples of this are, I have far bigger businesses than a lot of people who have 200,000 followers and yet I've got 50,000 and and I mean that's a, and I would say that's a big following as well like I have Emil who I work with has it does very well in business he gets all of his business from a Facebook not even a page it's his private Facebook where he has 3,000 friends like you don't need and I'm like he does extremely well from that and so you could do very very well from a thousand friends on Facebook if you're using it right and if you're actually engaging with your audience so don't worry too much about numbers um, and also stop copying everyone that would be my other point is that <laughs> it's so boring when it's like 
the same content put out by different people again and again and again and almost like looks maybe more like you're just trying to impress your peers than actually help your clients and I think I see personal trainers are like oh I don't want to put out something about energy balance again because everyone knows that no they don't yeah all, all the other personal trainers know that sure your clients don't know that your clients still need help with that if they're still asking you that question you still need to explain it in different ways and reassure them and like re-emphasize this point I still put stuff up about the scale weight like I'm not trying to impress my peers here like that's useful to my clients that reminder that reassurance and in fact for all of my clients it's not new information to them they're not going to be like oh my god I didn't know the scales didn't measure body fat loss (laughs) like but actually reminding them on a Monday that if they've put on weight that doesn't necessarily mean that it's fat and that if you've put on a lot of weight over overnight physiologically can't be fat like in some ways that's that's reassuring because if you put on half a pound maybe some of that is fat if you've put on five pounds overnight like it's certainly not going to be fat is it so that kind of yeah just just remember who your content is for I guess amazing I think that's the best place to start work out why you want to do the thing you want to do who do you want to do it for how exactly can you help them and, and add value to their life really Agreed. valuable something have... I love that you say as well actually because I think a lot of people are scared of selling something I'm not very good at you're really good at like framing it in a different way of saying like you have a solution to someone's problem and actually if you don't market yourself well enough you don't help as many people and it's the same with like why should you be looking to grow your business as a personal trainer if you don't start looking at your service as a business you won't help as many people because you'll have to get a new job like it's all very well and good saying this is my passion and just want to help people but if you don't have a business brain you won't help as many people so you can still ha- I mean that's why everyone should be personal training like for sure there should be the passion there but it's not enough like it's not enough just to be a good trainer and you're actually doing many people a disservice if you don't market yourself properly and then put yourself in front of the right people that need your help yeah there's a, a Seth Godin quote that this is obviously the one you're referring to because I parrot it but he says that marketing is the generous act of helping somebody solve their problem so yeah exactly what you said there you are you have the solution you're doing them a disservice by not telling them so that's the big tell them what you do how you can help them and then the call to action of message me and I'll help you because a lot of people won't take action if they're not asked to so that's that's part of your job as a trainer is to call these people into action yeah, or message won't get the help them. You, need. you know, if they've commented on your post and you're talking about metabolic damage and they're like, oh, this sounds like me and I've always wondered why I can't lose weight on 1,200 calories, DM them. Be like, hey, I saw that you're struggling with this. Like, so many people struggle with this as well. Let me help you because I've helped loads of other people. If you're interested, here's some more information. Let me know if you want to have a chat. Perfect. I think that's the con- just the confidence in your own ability that you can deliver this and once you build that mindset of, no, I have something valuable to offer here, that then becomes 10 times easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Emma, this has been really, really insightful and I love chatting to you. Where can people go to find out more about you or to sign up for your online coaching or your business mentoring? Probably the best place to go is Instagram. So that's at ESG Fitness or ESGFitness.co.uk. 
Lovely. Thank you very much for your time. Speak Thanks to you so much for having me.